Thank you, Carlene. That was a really... I don't remember saying those words, but I remember feeling them. So thanks for finding them. And also thank you for invoking Janice Gould, who is a good, a good friend, um, wonderful poet, and we lost her last June, far too early and too young. So it's nice to have her in the room. So thank you. Um, and thanks for having me here. It's such a pleasure. Thank you to um, Carlene and Sarah Odsley for um, hosting and being so generous and helping me be here and inviting me. And thanks to Jody Gladding for reaching out a year and a half ago or two um, to invite me and Kathy Black and all, everyone here at the Vermont Studio Center. Um, it's really just a, such a pleasure to be here. Um, I was here in 2006, which feels like, wow, that was a long time ago. <laughs> It was here, I think, the year or two before they built the writing studios, that building. So um, our studios were, well, our offices were, you know, in some building over there now, like in the basement, in some old, I had like 30 cupboards on the walls, <laughs> and I didn't know what to do with the cupboards, and so I'd like, am I supposed to do something with this poetry-like? Like I'd put a poem in every cupboard every day and open it up and... <laughs> see what's going on and I, did, I still couldn't figure out what to do with the cupboards but it was a, it was a really wonderful month um, and I was telling Sarah in the drive today that um, I think I maybe was too young um, well I anyway I had a lot of fun for the month and I probably would <laughs> if I were to do it again now for the month I'd probably get more writing done but it was an amazing time and I still remember the collaboration that happened that month, which was the most powerful part, going into people's painting studios and other writing studios, and we did a collaborative film. Um, I started writing poems to a few people's paintings, and that was just the most exciting part. So I hope that you're all having a wonderful time here and just um, able to take advantage of um, the richness and the generosity of spirit that this place brings. So thank you for having me. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to read from my two books um, and tonight. Um, and it's going to just travel in a lot of different places. And I realize now looking back on some of this work that I guess it's kind of autobiographical because I write a lot about places where I've lived. Um, and I've lived a lot of places. Um, my mother's family is Muscogee Creek. Um, from Jinx or Tulsa, Oklahoma. And my dad is um, of Dutch and German descent. Um, Air Force family grew up in New York and Massachusetts. And then he was in the Air Force, so I grew up moving all over the place too. So I lived most of my youth in Europe um, and then coming back to Oklahoma in the summer times. Um, but I'll get more into that with some of these poems. <coughs> Death Rite. Before makers, there were maps. There was skin, stone. There was time, the ripening of corn, moonlight, and her shadow, grief, given space, a circular shelter. We stayed inside for a number of days stacked rocks around ourselves. The clock was a gate. There were highways, 
mind gashes. We were slit, bled, slid to the ledge of the dark province. There were crosses, spiders, to so shut the wounds we reaped for you. This poem is, um, I guess this is where the biography stuff comes in. <laughs> this is a rather long poem, so I'll just read it in the sections. Um, it's 16 sections, but they're very short, no worries. <laughs> um, and it's called Genesis. And it kind of traces that kind of childhood living in Europe and coming back to Oklahoma and being in those worlds. One. I had been sleeping in the spine of the turtle stones in my mouth. Hadn't wanted to remember the language of spilled things, the earthquake rumbling beneath us, how we were rested from our dreams, walked from the great divide east to the delta, following seeds, the dropping sun, then walked again, halfway back, trapped by our shadows in front of us. Two. Awoke beneath the cornflower sky, cathedrals metallic against night clouds, poppies in a wide field speckled with graves. In our apartment on Bergstrasse, the piano plays a requiem. Marble stairs spiral downward. A white rose opens into the city. Red dots on tile. A little girl inside the subway finds needles and thread. Three. They said, an aged whore abandoned to the woods found a clot of blood in a puddle of rain and placed it in a jar. A child was born. Four. I was carried across the ocean in a bundle. A stranger had painted me on the back of a paper grocery sack, tucked it into the diaper bag. Framed against velvet, my mother hung the portrait above my crib, said, Hoktuji, Hoktuji, don't you forget. Five. Chris Kindle marked the glitter of an icy midnight. I am carrying a box of wooden figurines, baby Jesus, Mary, the cradle, four sheep. A sweating woman in satin scarves, stockings, heaves past me toward the butcher shop. In her arms, a plump cherub. Six, her story. I traveled to all the clans, asked them if I could warm my hands on the other side of their fire. Go home, they said. So I wandered, dead. I untangled the stories from trees, re-netted their secrets behind me. Met children on the road, lost, like you. Hominy, blue dumplings, stew. Shelled the ingredients from the sores on my legs. Seven. Snow swirling against glass. Only angels among us will survive. I shift in a cold pew, doodling on the catechism. We carried the fire from our villages, 
all the way to Oklahoma with the rain and our wet blankets. Eight. The Germans built a sweat lodge the day we came. They gave us bread. Indians invited to an Indian fair. They said, meet our shaman. She unwrapped a medicine sack, aus Indianer. I held my hand out to meet hers. Blöde Amerikanerin, she barked and shielded her hand with a wing fan, black, sinew-wrapped. I am part German, too, I replied. Nine. All right, then. Go home. Ten. I am ripping the angel from my ribs. I am walking up a steep cobbled street. The tables have folded, carts wheeled away, smashed windows, glass-blown ornaments, glue vine, Lebkuchen, the air thick with molasses, piss-stained stones, a church bench toppled amidst cardboard, whorehouse lit up from the inside, Christmas Eve, der Nacht, masked men surface from the mist on stilts, blue scarves tossed through gauze, cornflowers. I lay down beneath a speckled ceiling, pull the white sheet over my face. 11. In a town along the Danube, the gypsy's grave. A one-winged raven flattened in an empty courtyard. Strapped to an old woman's hunched back, I am carried into high aspen where streams run fresh and cool. 12. Inside the oven, coal piles, cornbread. Throw this in. Her front teeth, weather veins. She places yellow kernels into my palm. I hadn't wanted to remember the turtle spine I spilled from, but her breasts creased beneath layers of cloth remind me of my grandmother plucking corn at the farm until my fingers went numb. Foreigner, even then. 13. We were woodsmen once, fiddlers, poets. Papa says the gypsy opened a paper mill in Massachusetts, then vanished west to read poems to pretty Indian girls like Cosetta or Elise, my middle name after Beethoven, sitting on the bench at Nana Ellen's piano, a black widow nesting in the Viennese tapestry. I played for the women in Der Judenplatz and for Mozart, his bones in a pauper's grave. They say, if you are a real Indian woman, you will return to Oklahoma to dance but none of this is mine. 14. She spoke a language of turkeys, stretched their skins across my back, peeled the shells from turtles, placed the meat inside me as a thumping heart. This will be your compass out of the woods. 15. I hadn't wanted to remember the old witch, the one who fed me gemstones from her stove, I was just a little girl, please tell me the way home. Or the one who told me to lock her in a corn crib on the fourth day, distant thunder. I unlatched the panels in the rain, red silk corn, worm seed, flower beneath her feet. 16. Take this grain, my body, she says, scraping the insides of her legs. She passes the clay pot over the coals, drink, child of silt.
when I was a resident here, um, I was so envious of the sculpture studios. Um, I think as a writer, you spend so much time by yourself looking at a screen or the paper. I just wanted to make things. And uh, when I went to Institute of American Indian Arts as an undergrad, I took uh, pottery classes at the IAI and then also at a Poe Art Center up north um, at Okeowinge, um, a Pueblo. And uh, I loved doing pottery. It was something I found that just gave me so much um, joy. So this is a poem about pottery. Pottery Lessons. Cast sheer linen across the current for silt. When sifted out, the mica can be used to strike reflections. The shallow left behind when the woman dries out is now the river's cartilage. Unlatch my coffin. Break up clay in buckets. Build a wall of coiled snakes. Use shards of gourd as shaping tools. Pierce your fingers for a finer slip. Like a bone, it should flute. Use boiled flowers for paint. Make two bowls ready by the pyre. Pitch, sawdust, my ashes, scatter them. Glaze the rim of your body, pass it through the flames. In the afterglow, remove from embers the darkened pot. Wash the smoke off with a clean cloth, cool water. The shimmering surface is a black mirror. When you turn it in your hands, light catches upon sharp flecks of stars. Learn to locate pottery, teeth beneath the grass. Use feet as a base. It is better not to remember some things. Relics littering the plains. Your child's face slashed over river stones. Learn to keep the wheel spinning, to burnish a surface to a sheen. Then look at your face in the water, how the river breaks over it, how the river returns the pot to itself. I live in San Francisco now, um, and a lot of this book um, came out of moving to that place and being on the, the what I imagined it felt like the edge of a continent. Um, so, so a lot of this book takes place there. The floating world. 18th Street, twilight, lime trees, tiki's and porticos. A painter is painting hunters in the snow beneath salt winds, rum shades, smog-browned magnolias, pale blue blooms of forage. Listing south to the factories with a silk corsage, dusty crinoline callas hinged to the stem with rusted pins. I am not far from home walls humming with language, violent stalks wild in the weave, and yet all my words, listeners in concrete, graphite sketches suspended in air, ice mass, methane, 
oxide soot. Stones I plow from my balcony box, potted lemons skunks kick down. I look up at the woodcut moonlight, surfacing as if from lithograph ink, a nude girl leaning on a tree stump, flickering marquee, fuchsia's anxious splash. The flower shop's gate locks, and I text you a sonograph, mockingbirds belting from street lamps. Our awkward failures, this city and its cloying fog. We will drown beneath the blue curve of history anyway, and it won't matter. The petals you pinned to my dress, my consolation, this city's fragrant death. Winter in Corfu. <clears throat> I would have kept us as we were, above the village of Gastory in winter, pensiones closed, vineyards ripe with kumquats, fennel, stray cats crouching under rain pipes, olive nets damped down with mud. Even though it was not our island, not our goats to unchain from the hills, Fishan ruins, overgrown rock rows, each branch scraping starfish from the sea, each beach a frieze of Odysseus's shipwreck. I would have kept us as we were, the road to Perithea brocaded shut with ferns, stone fields fevered with poppies, and Mount Panto Crater sloped with crocuses, where we walked to that high monastery, gold-headed thistles igniting the apes. Even though it was not our god, not our haunted basilica halls of fog's high tides, Ionian clouds like goat horns crowning icon kiosks or priests swinging rust gold lanterns darkening storefronts of lingerie that line the sun-bleached promenades of gold-foiled chocolates, baklava bakeries, dim bulbs half-lighting skinned lambs on hooks. Even at that bottom of January, the Sirocco blowing through Judas trees, Santa's noosed from loose shutter hinges, a freezing rain hoofing over roofs, and the two of us, embers in an emptying tavern, with an out-of-town bazooki band, spinach pie and gritty wine, I would have kept us as we were, knowing that the spring would bring its umber clouds above the sea, a casino recolonized by black moss and tulips, and Calypso's spellbound mirage of an island shingled with egrets would fade in the trade winds as the fishing boats flash off their last catch starboard lights, and the Virgin of Cassiope, saint of sailors, throws her crossbones overboard, blows our votive out. So I'm going to read um, a poem that I actually wrote a version of here, <laughs> which is embarrassing. That was like 2006. <laughs> and I didn't finish it until like, what, 2012 when I got this book ready. Um, so, but I think that goes to say that you start poems sometimes and then 
like a decade old pass. And it's still in its kind of odd shape, you know, I think scattered throughout notebooks or something. Um, but when I put it together, it's very much, this poem was written here. It just wasn't in this form yet, but, um, so I, I wanted to read it to you all tonight. As I said, I spent a lot of time in the painter's studios. <laughs> the painter. Staining the canvas titanium white is an act of violence. A woman's fragment of body surfaces like a fish. The various shades of black to be pulled from compressed charcoal can be useful for the study of snow or a woman naked in a white window dressing her shadow? Or is it an ink sketch of a woman washing her hair upside down in a bathtub? Your memory of her shifts with a second coat. The indeterminacy of mauve is a multivalence. Red sun in a blue sky, an allegory of a western shore where she stands at the still pool, clutching a rose, her hand on the stem almost visible. You are painting the bones of your hands, not hers. Or is it a painting of a girl pulling up roots at the base of a Norwegian fjord under thunder, charcoal, linseed oil, with a freight ship in the distance? Lay a fresh ground on the painting and start over. Lavender instead of roses. Ghost instead of limb. You relearn the procedure. This one is about layering. It is based on a Polaroid. Tourists at the cliff. A woman falling from the sky. You coat her with amber shellac. Layering the light over her, you want to light the brutality, but the light itself obscures brutality. With ochre strokes, you tug her to bay, paste her withered wings with wax, and there she sleeps in a gauze bed. It is a piece about the recollection of skin, and that is all. A painting of five empty chairs, lilacs in the window between two mirrors, there is Lilith in a kitchen frock, hemmed with roses. There is Grace dragging their shadow across linoleum. The red is embroidery, yellow, canvas, black, the basic idea. Coffee, tea, or ink, rejected materials, and you are meant to respond to the stain. You paint her border with a smoke's thread. Wipe the cloth, draw an arc. Decoupaged, the painting is dead. Her gods have destroyed it. It was a rebellion, a mastery of her own body. You have tried sandbags, suspension cords, every kind of seeing. You have silk screened her image on the wall, left the screen on the floor as a residue of the process. You have strung her pink heart to the apple branch, eaten her horsehair comb. In your abandoned studio, a derailed chair. A photograph of two women among burning trees. The pages dust your window like snow. Little black noted you rearranging yourself on the wall. There are many ways of rearranging dust. These are the dark strokes.
<clears throat> so another art poem. <laughs> um, I went to a residency in Marfa, Texas, and actually some poems came out of there too. Um, and this one um, came out of the, um, we were talking at dinner about Donald Judd and the Judd, is it the Judd Foundation? Or? Yeah. Um, and so this was, came from um, walking around those big square blocks. <clears throat> it was a very windy month. It was April. The wind was incessant. Um, and I couldn't sleep because I felt like the wind was really going to blow the house down. Um, <laughs> it made me nervous all month, that wind over the plains. Land art. Think about a word, grass about an individual grass, then about a hundred species of grass. At first you look and see a large field. Look closer and you will see the grasses in the field. We are standing boxed by a hot window, our back to the fields. Lift the grasses from a box and lay them out across the field. A man picks up a golden stalk. Claw-like slender oracles clasped at the blade. Don't worry about your grasses falling apart. Grasses grow to disintegrate. When a grass falls apart, you have a chance to notice each individual floret, what separates one grass from another. On the paspalum's grass, sessile spikelets, on the panicum's grass, broad basal notes. Scattered along the axis, we form a rosette. We are bunched decumbent combs, the involute blades of love grass. See how the branches effloresce? Count the glooms, they will put out seeds, they will begin to reveal themselves. Buffalo grass, Witch grass, black bent, barley. The people in the church begin to talk like leaves with ciliate ligules. If you split the rhizomes of the iris in summer, I've never seen the blue of a blue stem, says another. We are tiny radiating windmills at a dinner party of grass. Dissect the seed head. Peel the sheath. O oh, flutists of space, wind-blown graminoid, walk into the greenly singular, singing the long sight line, monochrome field. If you don't understand what the symphony is saying, how the wind plays harps with the grass, note its scale change. To the north, one pronghorn freezes in the meadow fine fescue, monocotyledon. Note the digression, field to frame, how the setting down of art is as important as its making. Turn from the grass to the fields out the window. You will look for patterns and see none. You will look for openings, they will close to you. The light in each grass, fast fading, 
we lie down in this dark. Okay. I think I'll just finish up here a little bit. Um, other side. I think I'm going to stay. Ah, okay. So I'm going to read two more. Um, I'm going to end on the coast. Okay. <clears throat> Actually, no. I'm not going to read that one. <laughs> I'll read three more short ones then. Apricots. A light, a room, lakes upon lakes. The hen's head blazing drops to the mat. I want to sleep in the straw through the slant afternoon, my own head a bowl of apricots. Where the blood tracks on the forested overpass, not the antelopes. Where the thunder clouds in my belly, not the dark strokes of men. There is no man in a tower with a stopwatch. Tonight, no moon to break myself against. A light, a boat, unlit room. Don't sleep yet. I'm rowing toward you. Descent. I have drunk the night's perfumes, poured tea, batched leaves of the sea's decay, tumbleweed, choke cherry, skeleton leaf. To ascend, I read, you must first descend. Go out a different way than the way you came in. Dawn comes, a lambent orb hovers above the plains. A woman robed in red-stitched silk flames at the railroad trestle. Spanish dagger, flat-lined horizon, black angus grazing in creosote. Wind whips dust into a slender column, pirouetting over parched fields. No song for the snakes in the dun-colored grass. No doves, no lucifer hummingbirds. Clouds knock to lucent portend tornadoes. Antelope cram into gabled chambers. I rattle through pink ocotillos. Siphon the sand from my throat. At the crack in the road, where sky bleeds through, I wrap myself in thunder's rolling cloak and dive. And I'll, I'll end on a poem in, um, back in Vienna, Austria, where I lived as a kid, where that first poem came from. I went back there a few years ago to teach poetry at my old high school, my old middle school. Um, it was pretty neat. The other side. My crown, my room, surrounding snow. These are not my hands, my winter shoes carried off by uncertain music. 
There was a meadow behind my house. And if I should see myself there, she would tell me there was never a meadow. And then walk through me as if through a cloud and carry on in her own solitary direction. Crows still caw in her palace garden. Tram rails, rain, stammering moon. Once lilacs bloomed their huge white knuckles breaking the winter of my room. It was a dream, French windows on a Viennese street. Every street I cross, angling alongside smoggy post-war artifices, branches scratch against my sleep. How my body was a branch in my sleep. And when I woke years later, I peered down upon it, leafless and stiff. No roosts left, no caw, no birds blooming in the dream's green crooks. Afternoons alone are labyrinthine. I wander the city, searching for what? Friends, we knew where to find each other, tapping the window of the winter room. We were thinner then, younger than the chestnut trees. Everything has its seed, much later, and on the other side of time. Thank you.